Start reading in verse 14. Psalm 50 and verse 14. The Bible says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. I'm going to preach this evening the saints' remedy in trouble. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you come down and bear witness to the truth of your word and Lord, we're all going to need this at one time or another. And I pray, Lord, we learn it real good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say this evening that God's people need to call on God when trouble comes. Amen. It's not a real pre a pleasant subject tonight, uh, but it's a necessary subject. Every one of you at some point is going to lose something real dear to you. Some people that you love very much are going to die if you live any length of time. Uh, some things you really are counting on, you're going to lose and be real disappointed with. And it's not going to be all of your life. It's not even going to be most of your life. But there's going to be a few, going to be a few times that just about knock you down. And it's going to be real bad trouble. It might be in a depression. Lord knows we're due one in this country. How in the world? How in the world we're staying afloat? And who knows how many trillions of dollars in debt and all the fiscal irresponsibility going on in the government and everywhere else, let's be fair, everybody's about as crooked as each other. How in the world we're still as strong as we are is nothing but the grace of God because we've been the best friend Israel has and we're the best friends the gospel has in this world, which we're not very good friends to either, but, but we're the best ones they've got these days. And so the Lord's having some mercy on us. Uh, it might be a financial depression, though. It might be a loss of a loved one. It might be a family split up. It might be a personal financial loss. It might be a loss of your health. Uh, but two or three times in your life, maybe more, but a few times at least in your life, you're going to get hit with some real bad trouble. And some things you're really counting on are going to be suddenly knocked out from under you. And there's a place to go when that happens. And it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to be an immediate fix. It's not going to be a magical pill, you know, that you take and have immediate relief. I love our uh, medicine industry in this sense. Yes. It does have some medicines that when you're feeling bad real quick, all of a sudden at least start alleviating the symptoms. Have you ever had a real stuffed up nose? and you couldn't breathe at all, and you got some of that afrin nasal spray or one of those, and I mean, just immediately, the lining in your nostrils opened up and you were able to breathe, I mean, just real quick. There are certain cold medicines. If you're having all these terrible cold symptoms, you can take them in just a matter of just a very few minutes, all of a sudden they're gone. Now, that's not real. It doesn't really fix the real problem, but it can at least mask the symptoms. Well, now, our Lord usually, now, He can do it occasionally, but usually the Lord doesn't do things that way. Usually, he, he, he starts fixing the actual problem, which doesn't always alleviate all the symptoms, at least not immediately. Plus, he's got lessons he wants you to learn in the meantime. Uh, little Virginia has that ear infection, and we've been, you know, alternating the Tylenol and the Motrin, you know, to get her some relief from it. But in the meantime, we got her some medicine that over a longer period of time will actually supposedly cure the infection behind the symptoms. The problem is the medicine that will actually cure the infection behind the symptoms is going to take a day or two. <laughs> 
to get her some relief. So in the meantime, we're giving her something that at least masks the symptoms. Well, one thing about the Lord that uh, will sometimes disappoint you is he goes ahead and lets you just feel the symptoms. <laughs> he think, it, it does you some good. There's a reason God has pain in place. You actually learn things from pain. And he'll actually let you go through them. But whichever one you're going to face, and it may be two or three, and maybe, maybe a few more for some of you, uh, you are going to have some, some trouble. Now, this is not a Psalm of David. Uh, it's a Psalm of Asaph, one of the Levites, who is a leader of singing praises to God and speaking through this chief singer. God says to worship him sincerely, not just offering outward animal sacrifices. Um, he says, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Right after he said, would I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Yeah, I tell you to do those things for your good and for your sacrifice to me. They don't really do me any good. I'm not hungry, you know, for that goat or whatever. He says, it does you good to be sincere enough to sacrifice. You know, that cost you some livestock to sacrifice to the Lord this way. That shows that you mean something. That's why we all fast and pray. It shows God you mean business. And getting a hold of Him is more important than getting your necessary food. Amen. There was a time in my life when the thought of fasting all day long one day scared me to death. I couldn't imagine telling myself that food was one of my main things. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's good to show God you're dead serious about getting a hold of Him. And you'll do without some things that make you comfortable. So the Lord says, um, don't just offer the outward uh, animal sacrifices, though. Let me see your heart. More important, God says, is the worship that includes thanksgiving, promise-keeping. He says, pay thy vows. What you said you would do, do it. Did you know that's a real important thing in your relationship for somebody to know that they can count on you to show up where you said you would show up? Yeah. And it's real important to God. Trusting in times of trouble. These are good indicators that one is worshiping God sincerely from the heart and not just in outward acts, which are often insincere <coughs> or for show. Now, I talked a minute ago about how you really are sacrificing. You have some skin in the game, so to speak, when you give things up for the Lord and you give things to the Lord. But let's be fair and let's be honest. If you're a wealthy person, if you're a rich man, and you have hundreds and hundreds of livestock, you don't notice that you just gave one up. You may not notice if you give 10 or 12 up. So the Lord says, uh, let me make sure through your thanksgiving and your vow paying, you're keeping your word, your promise keeping, let me make sure you mean business about me. So let's consider that part of worship that goes to God in trouble gets help in trouble, and glorifies God even in trouble. Now, when you get there, you're in a good place. Now, you all know that one of my most important mentors, probably second only to Daddy, is Dr. Ruckman. Right. And this was a real important verse in his life when he was going through a real hard time, family split up and problems going on, and people losing confidence in him. Because back in those, of course, today, divorces, and I think everybody divorces, marriage vows mean zip. <laughs> But back in that day, it was still a shameful thing Amen. to be divorced. And so he was really going to God. And he was saying, Lord, 
help me, I'm in trouble. And he and the Lord really struggled, and they struggled over this very passage. All right, so let's look first of all at the season that we're talking about here. The season is called this. It's called the day of trouble. Now, there's going to come a time in your life when you're in the day of trouble. You're in a mess. One of you, I, I hope not, but one of you may lose one of your children. To see a child die before you is one of life's trials. Um, we know of examples of that in our lives, don't we? And I've heard people talk about their fear of that sort of thing. Um, it may be bodily trouble. Let's, let's look at an example of that. Turn to Psalm 77 if you want to follow along. Psalm 77, it may be a bodily trouble in your own body. Psalm 77, 2, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. But if you've got a sore and that thing's hurting and bothering you and it just keeps running the pus out and won't stop, and maybe some blood too, you're ready for some relief. Verse 3, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Now do you see what's going on here? He is attributing this to God. Hey, Bible-believing Christian, the stuff that happens, God sends. Get used to that. When you, I mean, even Dr. Ruckman, you say, even when you watch a weather report, don't think that the high pressure system is coming, coming on because of the barometric pressure or the rest of the foolishness they're talking. God is sending that weather. Amen. Bible says, God sendeth the whirlwind. Bible says, I create evil. Some bad things happen in your life, the Lord sent it. Or at least allowing it to accomplish his purpose. Here's a poor guy laying there not getting any relief, his sore running in the night, and look what he does, verse 3. I remember God. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. Lord, you're the one doing this. You're trying to get my attention about something. A friend of mine, Claude, pastors up in uh, southwestern Virginia, right on the Tennessee border, uh, had a church member for a long time that would talk about getting big eye. That's where you're trying to sleep at night and your eyes are wide awake. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh every time he told that story because I know what it's like to have big eye. You know, you're, you're supposed to be sleeping, but those eyes are not just open. They're wide open. You, there is no way you're going to get any sleep. And this poor guy's in that shape, and he's thinking that God's the one doing it. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. Look down at verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath, for, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? He's asking these questions. He's quit talking about that sore. It ain't the sore that's the problem. It's God trying to get hold of one of these days, your sore is going to be running in the night. Oh, yes. One of these days, you're going to be in pain. One of these days, you're going to be sick. And the Lord's just going to let it sit there a while and work on you a little while and do, do the work that it needs to do. And the thing to do is remember, it's the Lord doing these things. 
Let's see if I have. Job chapter 7. So I am made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lay down, I say, when shall I rise, and the night be gone, and I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. You ever laid there and tossed back and forth and just figured, well, I may as well just get up. <laughs> I had one of those nights not long ago. I just got up, opened up the Bible, and started reading in Job or Psalms or one of them. Job and Psalms is a real good place to go when you have one of those nights. Amen. And there's no need in laying there. You're not going to be able to sleep. And it's not because of the slug. Now, the sluggard has this problem, too. The Bible says a sluggard turns on his bed like a door does on the hinges. Uh... A late, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, but a sluggard now, he, he doesn't sleep very well. This is not somebody that's a sluggard. This is somebody that's going through troubles with God. 2 Corinthians 12, we preached this not too long ago. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hey, listen, when you're going through those infirmities, one thing you can thank God for is that the power of Jesus Christ can be on you when you're weak and afflicted that way. power of Christ doesn't come on many strong, many noble, does it? Not many at all. But now somebody afflicted, that's where Jesus shows up. When you get Jesus showing up, wow, do you get the power. It's a time of bodily trouble. It might be a time of family trouble. How Jacob and Isaac get along. Jacob and Esau get along. And Isaac and Rebekah get along. How did Joseph and his brothers get along? How did Laban and Jacob get along? How did Leah and Rachel get along? I mean, I could give you story after story. There is trouble in families. There is trouble in marriages. These days, it's not even really trouble. It's just, let's just go our own way and go find happiness. Whatever they mean by that these days. There will be family. How about David and his brothers? How about David and his wives? How about David and his cousins, Joab and Abishai? How about David and his son, Absalom? I mean, trouble, trouble, trouble. It is real likely that in your life, before all is said and done, there is going to be trouble in your family where you're having a hard time sleeping. Amen. There's real cause to believe there's a great chance that you're going to have these bodily troubles that we talked about. I'll tell you one that's going to happen. Some spiritual trouble. Things going on with you and the Lord. Some things He's allowing in your life that you, can, you just can't forgive Him for. Job 23, verse 3. Here's Job, in my opinion, the greatest man in the Bible, second only to Jesus. And this is what he says. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Look down at verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. There's going to come a time in your life the Lord is doing some things, and you're going to be wishing to God you could find him. You're going to be looking for him and screaming for him. And he's not there and you look everywhere and you take a long time to figure, well, I'm not perfect. You know, I'll find him here in a few days. And he doesn't show up. 
Mary and Joseph lost Jesus when he was 12 years old. How about Jesus on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? There are going to be a few times in your life where you're needing God, you're desperate for God, you're looking Amen. for God, and He's just going to let you watch it a while. And you've heard the illustrations of times that people are going through troubles like that. One that I used to hear was uh, from a guy that got away from the Lord in World War II. And uh, he'd been through horrible times over there in uh, the Pacific Theater and fighting those Japanese and they, you know, they were brutal and they would absolutely torture and mutilate people. Oh yeah. It was horrible the things that they'd do. And he finally got out and finally got away and came through horrible things like you couldn't imagine and got to the American lines. But the problem is he'd been out there in the sun and was tanned so bad and dirty and filthy and you couldn't look at him until he was a white American. <laughs> and they had things set up, you know, where you're not allowed to get over to the American lines unless you can tell them the, the, uh, the password. <coughs> and he had no way of knowing the password. He'd been gone and hiding out and barely getting by. I don't remember if he'd actually been captured or not, but he was barely surviving. He would he hadn't been around to know what the world password was. And when Dr. Ruckman would tell this, he'd say that when he imagines these stories, he imagines God and the angels up in heaven watching. And God would call the angels over while the guy's in a real bad spot like that and say, hey, Michael and Gabe, we'll come over here and watch this guy sweat bullets a while. <laughs> I'll let him go through this. He's been backslid on me for years and years. You know. So sure enough, uh, they're all ready to shoot him and kill him, the Americans are, because uh, he doesn't know the password. So he says, all right, well, will you let me pray at least before you kill me? And they said, okay, I guess you can say a prayer. And so the guy starts praying. He says, Lord, I know I haven't been the servant that I should and everything, and I've failed you, and I've let you down, and I'm sure sorry about that, but I'm about to come meet you, and I just want you to know the thing I'm trusting to get over there in the glory uh, with you is the blood of Jesus Christ. And they put their guns down and said, come on in. He said, what? He said, you said the password. It's blood. <laughs> oh, man. That's, see, the L is a real good one to use because the Japanese couldn't pronounce their L's. That's they said it like an R. So, you know, you'd say a password to say la la paloozer. And if a Japanese tried to say it, he'd say rah rah peruser. <laughs> so they had a password with L in it, you know, blood. So when he was praying, he said, I'm trusting the blood, boom, they had to let him in. Now that poor guy got in, you know, there was a happy ending. But he went through a horrible few weeks and months and then thought he was going to get killed by his own men there at the last before he finally got rescued. Now, you're not going to have exactly that circumstance, almost surely, but you're going to have some that's going to last a few weeks and months. You're going to have some that's going to have some scary, scary moments. And you're going to have some where the Lord will probably get you in and it looked like just dumb luck that he just happened to say blood, but of course me and you know it wasn't just dumb luck. You know, the Lord was in that, get that guy's attention. So the season is bodily trouble, it's family trouble, it's spiritual trouble. Another one is famine 
trouble. I call this famine trouble. Uh, you know what a famine is in the Bible when they didn't have any food. Crops were failing and weren't growing. But maybe you'll have a famine of other things. A famine of food, Amen. but maybe a famine of finances, maybe a famine of freedom. We're used to freedom here in America. What if, yes, what if that gets do. shut down? As hard as it is to get somebody to pick up a ministry for the Lord, I wonder how hard it'd be if all of a sudden they weren't even free to do so and had to hide out on fear of government persecution to do it. I'll tell you what, though, there'd be some more sincere ministers in those days, wouldn't there? Oh, yeah. It may be a famine of food, of finances, of freedom. Here's a bad one. It may be a famine of affection. Most of us don't know anything about that. We got a mom and daddy that love us. We got brothers and sisters that love us. We got grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins that love us. We got friends that love us, and coworkers, and classmates, and the Lord knows what. Did you know there have been people surrounded like that, and then go off and take a job, and go off to college, or go off into a, a, a ill-advised marriage, or something? And all of a sudden, they go from a place where they were surrounded by a bunch of people that love them to all of a sudden, there's nobody around that loves them. Of course, the great example of that in the Bible might be the prodigal son. Here he was at the father's house and everything taken care of and everybody loved him. He said, I don't want none of this. Let me go out in the far country. <laughs> oh, man. The charm of the far country rubs off faster than you expect. Yes, it does. Uh, it will get old way quicker than you thought. Oh, it looks so exciting. When you look up and there is nobody around that cares anything about you, and you and Mr. Hard Time start getting along, spending some time together, oh, buddy, you'll notice the family then. As Bobby Utley preaches, you'll never miss the water until the well runs dry. <laughs> Famine trouble. That's the season. It's the day of trouble. Now let's look at the remedy. Ah, oh, this is a great remedy in a time that we're trying to emphasize prayer. Call upon me. Get in the habit of praying every day. Pray without ceasing. I've taught ever since I was a kid. I've taught people, don't even say amen at the end of your prayers because you're not ending it. I know we have to say amen in the end of a public prayer so everybody knows to raise their heads up and know we're done. But in your private life, don't even say amen because you you're not even supposed to be ending it. You and him just keep talking because he's still right there. I was talking to that fellow last night trying to witness a little bit. I need to tell daddy about him. And uh, there came a point that he'd kind of had enough and he'd reach out and shook my hand and said, well, it was good talking to you. <laughs> that was his way of saying amen. <laughs> okay, I'm done here. Uh, don't do that to the Lord. He is still right there. You keep talking. You keep praying. And here's what that'll do. Once you're already in the habit of calling out to him, it will be no problem for you to keep calling. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, there's no atheist in a foxhole. When you're in real bad danger, when you're in bad pain, yes, you'll call out to God then. Yeah, but when you're in the day of trouble, you're going to need to call out to him more than one time. Yeah. <laughs> you and him are going to need to stay in contact. In the book of Job, when Job is going through those horrible things, he's talking about it over and over. That's a 42-chapter book, man. He's talking about the Lord a lot in there. The remedy, call upon me. 
Call upon me. Who's me? God, the object of our address. Don't call on the experts. Don't call on your experience. Don't call on your diligence and what a hard worker and what an intelligent person you are and all the resources that you've piled up. When you get in the day of trouble, you call on God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own. Don't even lean a little bit to it. It isn't going to make any sense. One of the frustrating things that I've done and I've seen other Christians do going through hard time is they go over and over with me, and I've gone over it with myself, the logical reasons why it doesn't make any sense that this would be happening. <laughs> um, it's not logic that you need at that point. It's God. Logic and trying to make rational sense out of it is not going to help. If somebody in your family or somebody, a very close friend, somebody very dear to you that you love very much and you are in a big fight, logically explaining to them the reasonings behind the fuss does not help. Emotions are involved. They do not make, don't even try them. Don't lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't even lean a little bit that way. Just trust God. God, the object of our address. Now, what is the mode of our address? Calling upon God. Call on Him. Say His name. In the, some of the social justice things, they're saying, say His name. Well, let me tell you whose name you need to be saying. God. Not taking it in vain, but calling on Him. Matthew 8, 25. And His disciples came to Him and awoke Him, saying... Lord, save us, we perish. That's how you do it. You don't say, well, now, Lord, the weather report didn't say this big of a storm was going to come. Well, Lord, you know, we've been fishermen for years and drove boats all around this place. This ain't never happened before. We've never had the waves this high. We, they didn't explain any logical anything to him. They said, Lord, save us, we're about to die. Amen. Now, that's the way, when you're in a day of trouble... Don't start reasoning. Your understanding is not even going to help a little bit. When you're in the day of trouble, you get a hold of God. You, you show God that you're putting all the trust on Him. I'm not saying to abandon logic in all areas of life. There's a reason God gave us a brain and the ability to rationally reason things out. But in the day of trouble, when your ship is about to wreck, that is not time for an algebraic equation. That is time for SOS. That is time for Lord, save me. Matthew 14, 30, and sure enough, that's the next verse I have. Peter, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Call upon God. Here's another good one. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't even worry about it. Just tell God what you want. Be a little assertive with Him. Notice how much thanksgiving is coming up here. Uh, our text back in Psalm 50, verse 14, the first three, three or four words is, Offer unto God thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Psalm 46, 1, 
a song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So you call upon God in the day of trouble. So what's the time of this address? In the day of trouble. God is a very present help in trouble. Have you ever been with somebody and you wanted to visit with them, but you could tell they were not present with you? They were halfway listening to you and halfway answering your questions, but they were looking for other people. Their mind was on other things. They were distracted. They were preoccupied. I'm real bad about that. I'm real scatterbrained, and I'll have four or five things on my mind at any one time. It takes real work for me to concentrate and be present with somebody. God does not have that problem. God does not have ADHD. God is present. He is right there with you. You turn to God, He turns to you. God isn't right there with you, it's because you haven't turned to Him. God does not have that issue where, oh, He's too busy. You should have got with Him last week. He can do it. Call upon Him in the day of trouble. Peter called when he was afraid and beginning to sink. So the season is the day of trouble. The remedy is call upon me. Now let's look at the deliverance, thank God. Psalm 50, verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. Isn't that a blessing? Yes. When you get in trouble, God is going to deliver you. It is going to happen. Now, it may not be exactly how you want it to happen. It may be that God decides, you know, it's time to bring you home. And he goes ahead and lets you die and bring you home to heaven. And all of a sudden, you're surrounded by love and peace and joy from that moment all the rest of eternity. You know what that is? That's delivering you. But it may not be what you had in mind when you prayed. Um, that may not. That may be the way God does it. I don't know. Uh, we're in Psalms. Let me read Psalm seventy-eight. Psalm seventy-eight, uh, nineteen. I think I want here. Yea, they spake against God. They said, "Can God furnish a table in the wilderness?" Behold, he spoke the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat and were filled, for he gave them their own desire. Let me tell you something about God. You can be out in the wilderness. No water anywhere in sight. He may come out of a rock. He can send down manna that rains, and it's like wafers with honey. And then when you say, you know what? I hadn't had, any, hadn't had enough protein, haven't had any meat. All of a sudden, he has quail come down miraculously, and you can have all the quail you can eat. To tell you the truth, you get sick of it. God can do those things. 
Don't ever think God can't do it. God can. Amen. Genesis 18. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Here's Abraham 100 and Sarah 90, and the Lord says, all right, I'm going to give you a son now. Uh, I don't need to let you know when the daddy's 100 and the mama's 90, you're probably not going to have a son. <laughs> but when God shows up, none of that matters. Amen. Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Jeremiah 32 again, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God can. 1 John chapter 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Establish in your mind, God can deliver you. Establish in your mind, God has always delivered his people. When Abraham got in trouble, God got him out of it. When Jacob got in trouble, God got him out of it. When Job got in trouble, God got him out of it. When Israel, the whole nation, got in trouble, God got him out of it. And the only failure they had was their own failure to obey when God told them to do something. Amen, that's a good point. David, in bad trouble, God got him out of it. You know what he said? He said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. Three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace, they're thrown in it, and the people even around it got burned to death. God showed up, and out they came. Daniel in the lion's den, delivered. Peter in jail, fixing to be killed, delivered. Paul, delivered out of the mouth of the lion. John, on the Isle of Patmos, delivered. And God gave him the great revelation. Probably the... <coughs> I assume it must be the greatest revelation of Jesus Christ in all of history is what John saw. God can deliver us. God has always delivered his people. And God will deliver you. He wants to. He is bound by his word to. His position uh, as our Father, God the Father, uh, makes him deliver us. But he'll do it his way and by his means and in his time. Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely... Give us all things. Now, God will deliver you. That's, that's not even a question. He can, he always has, and he will every time. But the caveat, the thing I do have to admit is, it may not be the deliverance you're looking for. He may do that in a little different way. Now, let's look at the last phrase here. It's real important that you remember this. Thou shalt glorify me. Here's Amen. the thing you need to be worried about. You need to be worried about remembering that God can deliver you. God always has delivered his people and he definitely is going to deliver you in the way that's his will. 
And you need to be sure that you keep glorifying Him even in the trouble. You know what the Bible says a few times about Job? It says, He sinned not with his lips, nor charged God foolishly. You know what Job kept doing? Even though he was frustrated, now he was honest. Don't misunderstand. You can be honest with God, but why in the world not? He knows everything you're thinking anyway. So you should be honest with God. You should tell Him this doesn't seem fair. You should tell Him all the things you're feeling. You and God ought to be close enough where you're honest with each other. But you can still glorify Him, even though the stuff He's doing doesn't always make sense to you. Because you know He knows better than you. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When Mr. Hard Times comes, remember all these things we've talked about, but you be sure you keep glorifying God through it. Don't you turn on God. Once you turn on God, none of this applies. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me, is all part of the same sentence. Amen. You are to glorify him through it. And part of the reason that he's allowing you to go through the hardship that you're going through is great glory comes to him. You remember that fellow in World War II I mentioned a minute ago? He gave glory to God when he said, Lord, I'm trusting your blood to get me through. What do you think those military guards thought when they heard that? They knew, number one, here was a guy who was about dead, and all of a sudden now he's, he's rescued. They knew it was strange coincidence that he said that. And plus, that guy's life has changed. Buddy, from that day forward, he witnessed and gave testimony for the Lord everywhere he went. Glorious things happen because of what that guy went through. Joseph and the horrible things Joseph went through, Dad's been teaching us in Sunday school. You know what was said in the end? He told the brothers, he said, oh, don't even be grieved or angry at yourself for what you did. If God did the whole thing. I'm in better shape than I'd ever been if I'd have stayed there and you wouldn't have done it too. No wonder he had no grief to him. It all worked out to his advantage. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Whatever trial you're going through, you just be sure you keep glorifying God through the thing. By talking about His deliverance. The song of Moses is God's deliverance. The song of Deborah is God's deliverance. Many songs. The pillar called Ebenezer. Here I raise mine Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You be sure and just keep giving God the glory. I'll tell you something else that will help you glorify Him is learning to trust Him. We used to sing a chorus back when I was a kid growing up said, Learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever seen. Learning to lean on Jesus. You know what you do not learn? when the insurance company takes care of everything and the retirement account has plenty in it and the savings is taking care of all your needs and the medical debit card pays all your bills without anything coming out of your regular money and, and the lawyer has you covered and he makes sure that you're in good shape and you got your physical every year and you know you're in perfect health and everything's going great with the family and the money's flowing freely and you're constantly getting entertained. You know what you're not learning then? You're not learning to lean on Jesus. 
Did you notice I didn't even say the name Jesus one time in that list of things? He has to send some trouble for you to lean on Jesus. Amen. This, this is not my favorite part of the scripture. <laughs> but it's a necessary one. And if you can glorify him in trials, oh, you, you've reached a good place. Learning to trust him. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 60, give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man. Jeremiah 17, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Learn to trust Jesus. And it's in the day of trouble you learn that. Amen. And renew your dedication to him. When he has delivered you, don't forsake him. When the Lord delivered the children of Israel time after time in the wilderness and they doubted him and said, let's make a captain and go back into Egypt. That made God he had just done things for him. And when the Lord's delivered you and you say, well, let me just trust flesh. Let me just trust my hard work and my money and my intelligence and my forward thinking and my innovative uh, brain power. That makes God mad. That's not what's getting you by. And even if those things are, they're only getting you by because God gave them to you. Renew your dedication to let me read you a couple of passages here in Deuteronomy. When God gets you through in a day of trouble, you thank Him. Dad, I remember when Mom was going through those terrible health problems for years. Dad would say, after every time we get through one, he'd say, let's be careful to thank God. You know why? Because you rededicate yourself every time He gets you through Mr. Hard Time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Uh, years and years ago, I was on an email list. Yeah, this was years ago. I don't even know if they even have email lists anymore. But I was on an email list that talked about Tennessee football. And there was a guy that would always sign off with this little saying. It said, we have all drunk from wells that we did not dig. You know what? That's a good testimony. Amen. That's good. We got, we got blessings that we didn't earn. And it's a good thing for us to remember that. Uh, we're in Deuteronomy. Look at one more. Uh, chapter 8, just a page or so away. Chapter 8, verse 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when 
Thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. Did you see that? That he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. When God does all this, he does this because there's a blessing at the end. Amen. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. We've got some young people here. You're going to build a good career. You're going to do some good things. You might build some good marriages, and establish some real good families, and maybe establish some real good ministries, and Get some real good blessings going. Don't get thinking that it's because you're just so great. <laughs> you're just so sweet. You're just so smart. You're just so hardworking. Remember, those are blessings of the Lord. And all the time, but especially on Thanksgiving Day and a few times like that, when those things come to mind, you thank God and say, Lord, you gave me a mom and daddy that helped instill me some character. Thank you, Lord. You saved my soul and got an indwelling Holy Spirit in me that's teaching me to do right, teaching me the Word of God so I can follow these principles. Even if you do deserve some of the credit because you did work hard for them, and that's a good thing, remember even that ability came from God. Oh, God, help us not forget Him. When the trouble comes, where do you go first? One evidence of true worship is calling on God as your first main refuge from trouble. I'm not against common sense precautions. I think they're wise. I'm not against advice from experienced people. I think that's a good idea. I don't think that uh, thinking hard and working hard are bad ideas. I think they're virtues. But none of this replaces trusting God. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever seen. Learning to lean on Jesus. What's the remedy in help in trouble? Uh, for help in trouble? Call on God. I will deliver thee. But don't forget the last phrase. And thou shalt glorify me. You keep your focus on glorifying Him and let Him work on delivering you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for a chance to preach these things. Lord, there's going to come some time of trouble that I shudder 